Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God I will lay on your hearts today comes from the second chapter of 1 Peter, verses 19 to 25, as follows. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example, that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So far the Holy Word. Dear friends in Christ, fellow redeemed. You know, there's all kinds of ways to teach people. One of the ways to teach, and one of the most effective ways, is with an illustration. Sometimes preachers get carried away in the illustrations we use. You know, you'll remember that, but you don't remember what it was about. So there's kind of a balance you have to weigh in there. The greatest example of illustrations is, of course, Scripture itself. Jesus uses illustrations to teach scriptural truths again and again and again. In our New Testament reading in John chapter 10, there were three of them. Jesus says he is the good shepherd. He says he's the door. He says he's the way. He uses these easy-to-understand, down-to-earth illustrations to teach biblical truths. Illustrations. Today is Good Shepherd Sunday. It's a day that we concentrate on the fact that Jesus, the shepherd of our souls, is always there caring for us, has given himself for, our, for the lives of us, his sheep, and we now follow in his steps. That's really what the day reminds us of. It's a great picture, that hymn we just sang, uh, based on Psalm 23, the shepherd's psalm. There's other psalms too that speak of that. Many passages in Scripture using this illustration of Jesus, your spiritual leader, provider, your caregiver. He truly is our loving, good shepherd. And our theme today is guided by the good shepherd. You and I are guided by this good shepherd who reveals to us his salvation, and then encourages us to be imitators of his example. So guided by the Good Shepherd for your salvation, for your imitation. Speaking of uh, illustrations, I need to point something out that um, isn't shown clearly just by reading the, this section from First uh, Peter chapter 2. You have to know the context there, and the context is that some of the believers that Peter was preaching to were slaves. It's hard to imagine what it would be like to be a slave in our day and age, although we're told that human slavery does happen, even sometimes in our own country and in other countries. And we see the effects of it 
you know, people look down on slaves. Still, there's a bias in our country towards those who once served as slaves. Uh, these things should not be, brethren. We uh, are all from the same blood. The Apostle Paul, uh, or actually it was Luke who wrote in the book of Acts chapter 17 that he has made from, he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell upon the earth. In fact, there was a, even the secular society agrees with us. I think it was an article in Time magazine once that said that you and, the, for instance, the darkest man in Africa, you're not any farther away than 53rd cousins. I don't exactly know how that, what that means. The first and second cousins, that's about the limit of my mind. But 53rd cousins, that can't be too far. Right? So we're all related. We're all from, really aren't different races. There's one race, the human race. And it's for this human race that our good shepherd came down to earth, suffered and died. So every soul out there is a blood-bought soul of Jesus Christ. He wants to be their good shepherd, just like he is for you. He planned out their salvation, just like he has done for you, with your name on his heart. We have to jump ahead a few verses to begin. Verse 24, it says, talking about Jesus, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus bore our sins on the tree, so that our sins died. When Jesus died, our sins went with him, paid for in full with his precious blood. They were buried when Christ was buried. And unlike Christ, our sins have never risen again to face us. Our sins stayed completely paid for, washed away with the blood of our good shepherd who gave his life for us, his sheep. It was planned that way in eternity. It was promised right in the Garden of Eden that the seed of the woman, the no man involved virgin birth, would take care of this this sin sickness that we have. And the good shepherd made good on his promise and did just that. He died on the cross and that payment was a full payment for your sins and mine so that God now looks at you as being justified, not guilty of your sins. He declares you not guilty and he is the judge who can say that. No one else can judge a man's soul only the Lord. And he has declared you not guilty. There's the good news that causes us to look to these verses with joy in our hearts, knowing that salvation has already been won for us. Although, you know, I think if we'd have served a little bit of slavery, actual slavery in our lives, we might, this might come home a little bit better. It might hit home, but I'll, I'll try to fix it for you. Jesus endured our hell that we should have suffered. He removed our sins by placing himself as the object of God's wrath over against yours and mine and the sins of the world. Paul wrote in Galatians, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. So you see, instead of God cursing you for any misdeed in your life, He cursed His Son. Instead of the sheep taking the brunt of the wrath of God, the shepherd took it in our behalf. 
Paul writes here, or Peter writes, by whose stripes you were healed, by whose wounds you were healed. It's kind of a paradox statement, isn't it? Jesus got the wounds, we got the healing. And a slave would understand what that means back in Peter's day. In the New Testament time when slavery was still alive and well, and many Christians were slaves, they knew what stripes were, they knew what wounds were that were caused by a master who was upset with the service of his slave. They were beaten and given wounds, and nothing gets your attention like pain. Isn't it true? We as parents sometimes remind our children of that truth, for their benefit, of course. But that's always out of love. What these slaves experienced oftentimes was abuse at the hands of their masters. They knew what wounds were. So when Peter tells them, by Jesus' wounds, by his stripes, you were healed, they got it. That gospel message that although our the sins we commit every day of thought, word, and deed, they wound their terrible wounds and against our our powerful God. God hates sin. He doesn't want you to sin. God punishes sin with eternal death and hell for each one. Each one deserves that. So they separate us from God. They wound us spiritually and we would carry those wounds with us to the eternal flames of hell if it wasn't for our Savior who came up with this loving plan of salvation to be the shepherd who gives his life for the sheep so that when our worst enemies would come prowling like the devil who walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour the Bible says when the devil tried to hold your sins against you Jesus went to the cross and paid the price in full. Now not even the devil can make an accusation against you. Not even the, uh, your own heart, which knows every time you've slipped, and, or knows the majority of them, and the ones you don't know, you know you've goofed up there too. But your sins against God have been paid for in full by the Good Shepherd. That was His plan, to bring us life and to give us that life more abundantly that we have right now. We have eternal life right now. It's ours. We are promised eternal life as a guarantee in our faith. Hopes in that great truth just like the faith of so many of our loved ones who have gone before and who wait for us to inherit the salvation Jesus has planned for us. This is what moves us, isn't it? To follow then the first verses of our text. To be imitators of the Good Shepherd. I remember being a child and walking after my dad in the snow and trying to match step for step my father's footsteps. And of course, I didn't make it perfectly. I'd misstep or I'd not make the next one. It was just too far. But I'd jump and do and give it the best shot I had. And it's a, if you've seen that, if you've done that before, you know it's kind of a cute thing to watch. Isn't it? But here in our verses, we are given the instructions to be imitators of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. And in fact, the Bible tells us that 
it's commendable that while we're, we are being imitators of Christ, while we are following Jesus for the example that He surely is, I mean, think of it. What better example could we follow in life than the one who never sinned? Than the one who committed no sin and never said anything deceitful? Who was never in His mouth? And when He was reviled, when people made fun of Him, He never made fun back. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but committed himself to God, who judges righteously. This is what Jesus did for us. And he did all of that, every step of the way of his life, including the death on the cross, without sinning once. He offered up that life as a sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice necessary. No other sacrifice would work. Nothing else would pay for your sin or mine. Now, the world around us wants us to think that there might be something that pays for sin or that we could possibly have a hand in earning our, our way to salvation or now that we're Christians at least, we should absolutely do this and this and this in order to get to heaven. But none of that is true. Jesus paid the price of our sin when He died on the cross His perfect keeping of God's law was now imputed to us. And our faith believes that. That when God opens His book of life, the account, and He looks at all these sheep down here, which is us, God's believers, He sees in every one of us the perfect life of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, His Son. And He says, I declare you not guilty. He says, you are sinless. You are justified, or as our confirmation students learned, it's just as if you never sinned. That's what justification means. And God is the judge. Sometimes you might endure mistreatment, as the text tells us. And it encourages you to, as you live your life as a Christian, it's it's usually pretty subtle. I mean, which of us has ever... uh, I've never gotten a black eye because I'm a pastor... I've never had any blood, a drop of blood for the Lord. Not that we wouldn't if we're called on to do it. But the persecution, the things that we endure because we're Christians are are daily things and occurrences that are far more subtle than that. It's painful when someone punches you in the eye. It's also painful when a friend of yours wants to know why in the world you would not uh, advocate an abortion. Why in the world... You're homophobic and can't get along with all the, our society and why you won't allow gays the same rights as and you know why you vote against that. What's the matter with you? See, that's persecution. When we stand up for the truths of Scripture, and that's just a couple, when you start standing up for all of God's Word and never letting any of the Word slip because... Well, you know, why would we? The word is the greatest treasure we have. Why? I wouldn't want to. I don't want to compromise a single word. And when you do that, well, Jesus tells us the world will hate you. But he says, don't be afraid. They hated him first, which is evidenced by the fact that they crucified him while he was here. We were contributors to that too. But he came down to this world in order to free us from that curse, to be our good shepherd, to give us the ability to make Uh, to follow in his footsteps just like a child follows in his father's footsteps 
we can take him as an example. The text says we were called to this. Don't be surprised when the world hates you for your faith. When there's negative, derogatory things going on around you because of what you are as a Christian. Don't be surprised. The Apostle Peter tells us you were called to this. That's what part of being a Christian is. And he says suffer patiently. You don't have to get retribution. You don't have to get revenge on people who are mean to you for your Christian faith. Ah, Lay that at the foot of the cross. Let Jesus take care of it. Follow his example. The one who ultimately suffered the worst kind of disgrace and abuse from people, though that was Christ. From you and from me too, because our sins were heaped on him and he suffered them all for us. What did Jesus do? He committed himself to him who judges righteously. Well, we thank God that uh, he sent his son Jesus so that God can judge righteously now with us. That the good shepherd has paid the price for his sheep so that his righteousness is now your righteousness. God judges righteously through his son when he looks at you. Oh, you'll have trouble. You'll be tormented by your sins. But God assures us again and again in the gospel message they've been taken care of. You'll have persecutors and mockers, but God finally, and well, actually daily, helps us with that, gives us the words to speak, comforts us through his word. You'll have problems and troubles. You'll be tried by sickness and adversity. There will be death in your life. Death of a loved one, finally death for you if the Lord doesn't come and take, you, take us all to heaven first. But death has been conquered. And that's what the, East, the joy of Easter is all about. That death has been made to serve us. And finally death itself be swallowed up in the victory that is our Savior's resurrection from the dead, which guarantees our resurrection too. So let's rest secure in His loving hands because we know the final outcome of his kindness and mercy towards us. Peter wrote a little bit later in chapter 5, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Christ is our good shepherd. We are guided by him. We are guided for our salvation. We are guided for our imitation so that we can follow his example and walk in his steps. And we do. So let's do that. Let's go out today and Monday and the rest of our week. Let's be imitators of Christ. Let's take it on the chin for the gospel and not retaliate. Let's suffer that way as Christ did. That's what's commendable to God. Be those Christians, those sheep of his pasture, knowing Of course, that's not what gets you to heaven. We are just privileged to be sheep of the pasture of our good shepherd who has done all of it already for us. Let's do good deeds. Let's follow the example of Jesus. Not because we want to earn our way, but because we know the way has already been earned for us by our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.